Hello, everyone. I'm Al Daldegan, creator and producer of the Leaders, Innovators, and Big Ideas podcast, supported by Rainforest Alberta. This podcast showcases the people who are working to improve Alberta's innovation ecosystem. This episode is hosted by Peter Bodeway. Peter manages strategy and partnerships for an innovative alliance of energy companies committed to reducing environmental impacts through collaborative R&D efforts. Peter worked for more than 20 years in Asia, building and investing in a variety of businesses. His most recent role outside of Canada was with the World Wildlife Fund, where he was the chief executive officer of WWF China, based in Beijing. Prior to that, Peter lived in Hong Kong for 15 years working in the technology industry. Join Peter with his guest Aaron Pisco for their chat about IP. Take it away, Peter. So thanks, Al. Hi, my name is Peter Bodwang, and I'll be your host of today's Rainforest podcast. Today's guest is, is Aaron Pisco. She's the VP of Strategy at the Innovation Asset Collective, a Canadian-wide nonprofit focused on building capability within small and medium-sized companies to support all things related to intellectual property. So firstly, Erin, welcome to the show. Thanks, Peter. I'm excited to be here. So let's start off. Can you tell us a little about the Innovation Asset Collective and the problem you're looking to solve? Absolutely. So IAC is how we refer to it internally, has a really lofty mission and vision. What we're really looking to do is use IP to build Canadian success stories and help drive the Canadian economy. And we do this by supporting small to medium enterprises and skill them up when it comes to understanding and leveraging IP and developing IP strategy. So we have four different pillars of services our organization provides. There's education, because it's hard to build a strategy when you don't know what building blocks you have available to you. So we start with some basic foundational skills and really dig into the, to the skills business leaders need to know when it comes to IP, as opposed to building a skill set for IP experts. We layer on top of that set of portfolio assets that help companies enable their freedom to operate as they grow in scale, access to funding because IP can be expensive and for startups and scaling companies, funding is always a challenge. And then we also provide access to intelligence reports because in the IP world, it's really important to know not just where you're going, but where are your competitors going? Where are they today? And we provide access to sectoral level landscapes to allow them to help drive their strategy and navigate obstacles. That's great. Yeah, that is quite broad, quite broad. But let's let's peel it back. I mean, I want to just start whenever we say IP or intellectual property, there's all sorts of concepts. So can we just if you're a technology company, when you say IP, what what are you considering? Right. Or what, what do you, you mean by that? That's a great question. I think the first thing that pops into most technology leads minds are patents. Patents have actually become a fairly well-known commodity, which is Super interesting to me because when I finished graduate school and someone asked me, did I have an interest in patents? I wasn't sure what they were talking about. And that wasn't all that long ago. The other thing people think about sometimes I think is their brand. They, they think about, well, my brand, you know, I really recognize the different logos. You know, I like to use Lululemon as an example, huge Canadian success story that started off as a really small operation out of Vancouver and now they're global and worldwide. But IP is 
way more than just patents and trademarks. I think people should think about it as their data, all that intellectual capital that they're generating as they're doing their research, they're coming out of school, those, you know, reams of spreadsheets with all the, all your calculations and stuff, your data, that's your intellectual that's your intellectual property and whether or not you protect it, it's it's still a potential valuable asset that you need to be thinking about can be your can be your know-how, your competitor list, even your pricing models are subject to intellectual property. Anything that really drives value for your company is really intellectual property. It's more than just the traditional assets you hear people chatting about. Yeah. So increasingly what we see is the value for publicly traded companies is derived from intangibles and IP. Right? So, but yet in Canada, I mean the stats I've seen were that 56% of Canadian invented patents are foreign owned, right? Some of them actually invented here and then go become foreign owned. So where do you see sort of the biggest opportunities to grow the value of IP, IP assets for Canadian industry? That's a big question. I appreciate it, but yeah. Love that question. I think Canadians, Canadian innovators, Canadian companies, we are really good at innovation inputs. We are really good about developing top-notch research scientists. We have great educational programs. We have funding available for building these you know, infrastructures to build the data, build the research, get it things done. But where we fall down, I would say, are on those innovation outputs. So how are we turning those inputs into value propositions we can build on? And I think one of the huge opportunities we have available to us is to really build better understanding around intellectual property and the value it can provide for a business amongst our business community. Isn't knowledge that needs to be held just by experts? Yes, do you need experts to help execute on your strategy? Absolutely. But having a degree of IP literacy across your business leaders is incredibly important. So you recognize the opportunities when they present themselves or you know to refer something or ask the questions for people to help you develop that strategy. And I think that's where we haven't done as good a job in Canada as we see in other countries where IP has really become integral within that business community and business language. That's what ISE wants to tackle. That's great. So let's look at it from a bit of a an example. I always like to sort of take take it back to foundational. So let's say you're the founder of a small SaaS company, right? So you have a workable prototype, you've just received 100,000 friends and family, or perhaps a government grant. You know, that's really the earliest stages. What should they be thinking about in, in terms of IP? Great question. I think the most important thing for business leaders when you're starting a company to be thinking about is don't be intimidated when it comes to that. You've already started your business for a reason. You have a business strategy. You have a plan. You're you're planning to derive value somehow, potential create a revenue stream for yourself, build a business. Your IP strategy flows from there. So I would encourage companies to think about what is it about your business proposition that makes you unique? What What is your differentiating fact? What's that pain point in the market that led you to want to develop this solution in the first place? Being able to get that down on paper and explain it as a starting point is key because those are the nuggets you want to wrap your intellectual property around and that value proposition. I, I think many people, when they hear intellectual property, it's, it's getting to be really common within the investor community. It's a question funders ask all the time. Do you have any IP? So companies 
yes, I, I have a patent application, but I think there's a big disconnect there because filing any IP asset for the sake of filing an asset to tick a box on a form isn't value. You want to make sure you're mapping those assets back to those differentiating factors. What is what is that concept that really sets you apart, that solves those problems and provides value, makes you a differentiator in the market? Maybe you make service faster, cheaper, better somehow. That's where you want to look at wrapping your intellectual property assets. And that little mix of assets that you want to develop for your company, there's no one size fits all solution. And there isn't really a guidebook when it comes to figuring out that right mix of business assets. It's about really considering the value proposition your company has to offer and then breaking it down from there, as opposed to right off the bat going to think right about those IP assets. So a little bit of research required first, right? Yeah, yeah. So so just wanted to explore one point you said that was very interesting is there's a bit of a, a mismatch where, you know, the, the founder's thinking I got a patent, but then the funders, right? So the VCs and angels are coming in and asking about IP. What are those investors looking for, right? On, on a, you know, once a company starts to get traction, what are they looking to protect? Yeah, I think most investors are likely, they want to, protect their investment. They want to understand what's the value proposition of the business that they're investing in and how's that value going to get returned back to them. It's not just about saying you have IP assets, but I think they want to be able to see that you you have a plan and you have a strategy and you are considering these things. You're speaking to how you're you know, your product, how you're going to integrate yourself into the marketplace, what your plan is. And they want to know you're considering IP as part of that. I don't think it's as much about ticking a box with the really sophisticated inventor, sorry, investors, as it is to knowing that you have a plan and knowing that you're having these, you know, discussions and considering things front in your business, as opposed to, you know, two, three, four years down the road when you're up and running and you're ready to launch your product. And you realize you actually haven't done any due diligence. You you don't know what else is out there. You, you're not sure. You don't know if your brand is potentially unique or you might encounter some resistance in a certain area. They want to know you're doing your little bit of homework along the way and that you have a plan. Okay. So so many. it's interesting because many of the founders I speak with, when you, and again, when you talk to them about IP, they immediately respond. And this is deep tech, right? Like big, you know, heavy industri- industrial tech. Yeah, we got a, a patent or patent pending in the U.S. And like you said, there's so much more to IP. So I guess what's the biggest challenge you face when guiding these early stage founders through the process, right? Because it could be seen to be perspe- expensive or there's challenges, right? Like you said. So what do you see as some of the biggest challenges you face? That's a big question. I think one of the challenges is, yes, IP can be expensive and there's this notion that it can be expensive, but there's lots of opportunities to get funding these days. You know, NRC IRAP has programs. We run grant programs. There's there's lots of funding available, but I would encourage companies to consider IP can grow to be expensive over time. But if you're strategic, if you've really thought through in advance, what is the element, the service, the, the product, that little widget that I really need to protect, that really sets me apart. What's available? What are my mechanisms available to protect it? And if you think that through upfront, you've really invested 
in a value add for your business, as opposed to what can often happen is I, somebody will think about, I have this really interesting technology and go through protecting the whole thing. Maybe it's a 10 step process. Maybe, maybe it's a new device that has, you know, 12 components, but the most interesting part about it is maybe component five and six. Everybody else has something similar, but those ones, they've really figured out how to make it work. That's where, that's the, that's the piece you want to protect. You don't necessarily want to think about protecting it as a whole. You want to have considered all that. And doing that front thinking, I actually believe will save people money down the road because you invest in protecting what needs, you know, what's going to drive the value and you cut away, cut away the rest of it. So you can really focus your investment on the value add. And then as you're scaling and growing, then you can look on layering from there, right? As you make improvements. So it's really an evolution, you know, at early stages, you protect certain things. And as you grow, you protect others. Even when you get to, as you said, customer list, I'm assuming that's as you get farther down, you have a customer, you have a list, right? Absolutely. Doesn't mean you filed an IP asset around it can be built the way you treat it within your business. You treat it as confidential information. You make sure you've educated your staff. We don't share this. This is what that looks like. It's not just about the assets, but all about the framework that you use to support intellectual property in your organization. Great. So I wanted to explore a bit. I mean, as an organization, you offer services out to to the, the market. And I looked online and you have a membership program that's available to startups. How they And I wanted to talk about how they can plug in to the Innovation Asset Collective. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about your associate member program? What do you offer? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, we have. So we have two tiers of membership, one being our, our full membership, but the second one being an associate membership. And it's really meant for those startups, those people who are just getting going. And so I think there's a few really great things we offer. First is we run two rounds of grant programs per year for our associate member where we award funding for the development of IP assets. Those IP assets could be support for an IP strategy. They could be support for a new trademark filing. They could be around development of copyright or a set of policies or maybe even an employment agreement template for your business. The key for all of our funding programs is tying how what you're seeking funding for ties back to your strategy. So we want to see everybody thinking about a coordinated approach and strategy as opposed to a siloed or a patchwork approach that you're thinking through that integration. Another piece that associate members have access to are these large sectoral landscapes that I spoke about. We have several that are out there already. We're about to release two more related to precision agriculture as a very large landscape and as energy storage style report. So they have access to those. They also have access to a lot of our education programs that's really meant to get them started. And I mentioned earlier, we're really looking to help that business leader gain IP literacy. We're not looking to necessarily build a new tier of IP experts, but we really want them to feel comfortable. We we position IP as a teachable skill. And so we try to break it down into the components, talk about different types of IP assets, talk about if you're the IP lead for your company, how do you get started, provide a series of templates and toolkits so you don't suffer from what one member called it as blank page syndrome. I've listened to a bunch of webinars, I've done this learning, 
I'm still not sure what to write down on this piece of paper. And so we've tried to develop a set of templates and tools that as you're doing the learning, you can start jotting down what makes sense for your company. How, how should I think about this for my company? And it's really meant to get you started. Okay. So the templates for, to help those startups develop their strategy, correct? That's right. Yes. Okay. So can I add the fee, the fee for the membership? The associate membership, we call it our freemium membership. So there is no cost. You do still need to sign an agreement because you become an IAC member, but there is no cost to join. That's great. That's great. So for those real companies thinking of this journey, this is the place to start. So, and I did want to ask you about uh, templates and toolkits, because a lot of times you hear, you know, startups going like, oh, I've just hired a contractor, right? And the first question, well, are they signing some type of NDA or ownership of that, of whatever they're developing? And those are things where these owners, you know, these founders, not not necessarily struggle, but they're like, oh, I got to go talk with a lawyer about that. And are a lot of those, those uh, templates available in your toolkit? Those sort of simple things that almost off the shelf that can be, de- are there? We do provide several things like that. So, along with a guidebook that says, here's a general type of agreement. Here's what this clause does. Here's what this clause does. Here's what this clause does. So you can select them and have a starting point. And then potentially, you know, if you need legal advice, you can speak to a lawyer, but you've got some piece to start with. So absolutely. That's, that's like the how to guide of, yeah, yeah, that's right. And we're just continually building, building those out to make them available for people. Great. So as part of that program, and I just wanted to clarify, because you mentioned twice a year you have grants. So I'm just, if I'm a really early stage, let's come back to the SaaS example. You know, he's person's got their first hundred thousand, they've got a workable. I mean, is that when they should be joining the Innovation Asset Collective? Or even I've got this like earlier than that, when should they consider joining? So I think IP becomes something you want to be thinking about from day one. So when you incorporate your company, I think joining right from the get-go, you don't need to have funding to be starting to think about this stuff. And I would suggest considering things early on allows you to embed them into sort of the DNA of your company as it grows in the in the early days. So I would suggest it's never too early to join. And because it's a startup tier, it's meant for you know, smaller companies, uh, it's, it's available. And as I said, the grants run twice, twice per year. Okay. Yeah. And on those grants. So just, I mean, this is what's interesting is a lot of founders, you know, they do, oh, it's expensive or even spin outs of university, sometimes a university patent stuff, but there's still greater costs out there. So could I just explore that? So when you say grants, are you, you know, what I'm hearing is depending on the size and stage of development of that startup, you sort of have grant products available for them or things that they can apply for, correct? Absolutely. And, and the grant isn't for one thing specifically. You apply for what you need at that point in, in time. And again, it's about tying it back to strategy. So maybe you're looking to file a trademark application because you have your brand and you want to get that established. And then two years from now, you want to file that same trademark application in some different countries because you're considering expanding. You can apply for funding for that same trademark again for those other jurisdictions. So we are really trying to enable development of assets that really support people's strategies. And there's no... um, requirements around stacking. So potentially you have funding from the university. Maybe you also have funding from IRAP. Maybe you have funding from the 
NRCAN program through federal government. You can also layer on top of that IAC funding. We don't have any rules around stacking. That's great. That's great. So look at the website. Yes, because it's there. There's a lot of great information there. So one thing, and then you also talked about education that you do offer. So do you have sort of regular ongoing trainings that people can plug into then? So we approach learning in a few different ways. One of the things that we've done is developed a learning management system, what we call an LMS. So we have a set of modules that you can log in and do. If you do your best learning at, you know, 2 a.m. and that's when your free window is, it's available. So we have learning management system that's available and has a set of resources on it. We also provide access, as I said, to these toolkit items. You can book office hours through the grant program to get feedback on other things. But to really get access to a lot of the experts at IAC, that comes when you tear up and you get to that full membership where there is a fee to to join at that point. Okay. So, but I mean, the basic, the associate member program is leading you there. And when you get to that certain point, you're, yeah. That's right. When you're ready. Yeah. When you're bigger, bigger services. Yeah. So I wanted to ask, I mean, we're hearing, interestingly, in the news in the last even couple of weeks, the Globe and Mail, CBC, there was all sorts of talk about IP and the value of IP and well, how we can do better essentially was, you know, the articles. But I was, if we look globally, I just wanted to ask you, Aaron, like, is there something, if we look at a geography, who is doing it really, really well? Who has their 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 programs together? Who are the world leaders in this? Well, that's, that's a tough, that's a tough, that's a tough question. I, I think it depends exactly what your looking looking for from that perspective um a lot of the asian countries like japan and china they've had innovation strategies at at a government like countrywide level for a for a decade now they've been pushing in that direction so we're lagging when it comes to that same with some of the european countries they've they've just been thinking about strategy and countrywide strategy like to move the needle for a longer period of time than Canada has. So we're behind on that. But recently, you know, the government really has their eyes on the prize when it comes to intellectual property. And they're trying a lot of different things. You know, there's, I'm sure you read in the news too, there's talk of this new innovation agency. I'm not sure what that's going to shape up looking like. They recently announced the funding through Elevate IP. They're really talking about the importance of IP strategy and really trying to recognize that. And so IAC is a part of that. And we're excited to be helping the federal government build out these strategies, build this next Canadian success story and get us back on track. Well, it's a long journey. And I think, yeah, you guys are definitely filling a an opportunity, right? That's something that we need here in the market. So can I ask you, I mean, you're based in Calgary, correct, Aaron? I am based in Calgary, yes. And so are most, I mean, how big is the Innovation Asset Collective? I mean, you said cross Canada. So how many people are you guys? I think we're just under 25 people right now. So we are a virtual organization, which has really enabled us to hire people from across the country to leverage different skill sets. There's a couple people in Calgary, a handful in Vancouver. Our largest mass is in Ontario right now, but we're hopefully looking to grow down the road. That's great. So I did want to ask, so if listeners want to know more about, well, IP in general, and as well as the Innovation Asset Collective, what should they do? That's a great question. Well, you can look me up on LinkedIn. There's definitely is information about IAC there. You could go to our website, 
www.ipcollective.ca and get more information there. And there's lots of different ways to uh, to reach out. That's great. Okay, well, look, Aaron, I know I did want to say thanks for your time today. Happy to be here. Always happy to talk about uh, IP and the IP journey. Well, I look forward to looking and seeing, looking at the journey of the IAC. So thanks again for your time. No problem. Thanks, Peter. So if you like this episode, please subscribe to the podcast. Thanks for listening. If you haven't already, visit rainforestab.ca and sign the Rainforest Social Contract. Become part of the inclusive, silo-busting, sector-agnostic, all-industry, open-sourced, ego-shrinking, ecosystem-building, entrepreneur-focused, wide-open, social barrier-smashing community known as Rainforest Alberta. This episode was brought to you by New Idea Machine. We build great custom software while bridging the gap between education and experience. New Idea Machine makes your ideas real. Visit newideamachine.com for more info. Music for the show was created by Tony Deldegan. Please be sure to share this episode with everyone you know. Also, don't forget to come by and say hi at the next Rainforest event. Let us know what you think of this podcast. If you're interested in being either a host, sponsor, or a guest of the show, send me an email at rainforestpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.